Welcome to the Gateway House podcast. We have with us Ambassador Neelam Deo, Director at Gateway House. 14 Americans were killed on 2nd December in California when a gun-totting couple opened fire. President Barack Obama gave an address to the nation where he talked about the tragedy, its broader threat of terrorism and how he is planning to keep the country safe. Uh, Neelam, President Barack Obama yesterday made a very important speech. He outlined four-point strategy to tackle uh, ISIS. Uh, he also said that, he also explained why putting boots on the ground is not a feasible option because that's what ISIS wants. Does it settle this debate between, you know, how to tackle with the problem or is it still wide open? I think the speech yesterday had uh, more to do with the killing of 14 people in San Bernardino in um, California than actually any new development with regard to ISIS or uh, with regard to the region around Syria. Uh, It certainly has to do with the fact that ISIS has claimed the two people who were engaged in the killing and who have since been uh, killed by the police. Uh, as well as uh, the persons themselves claiming some kind of linkage with uh, ISIS. I think there is not much difference in the strategy that Obama has put forth because he has followed it since he became president. It is the same strategy that was followed in the case of Afghanistan and Iraq with the difference that there are no boots on the ground, uh, so to speak. And that was Obama's uh, election uh, campaign uh, promise. It uh, does not settle the issue at all, because now you have all the uh, big military powers bombing this not very large space uh, in Iraq. They all claim to be bombing Raqqa, which is the ISIS headquarters. But ISIS remains uh, in place. Definitely some leaders have been killed. Unfortunately, many uh, non-ISIS people have been killed. Which, pre- But uh, the question of whether a movement of this size and scale uh, can be defeated from the air is actually a settled question. It's well known that it cannot be. So they are introducing uh, uh, advisors, special forces. This is usually how the number of uh, military personnel on the ground actually increases. It will not go into hundreds of thousands as happened in the case of Afghanistan or Iraq, uh, but it will certainly be much more sizable uh, than that. And they also have, the Western allies also have uh, mercenaries. Uh, We saw these reports on uh, how um, Abu Dhabi has uh, hired uh, Colombian fighters uh, in the region. Uh, They also have what are called contractors, which are former uh, military people from the United States, uh, set up by um, South African mercenaries, whoever. So it's a very murky uh, situation. There are boots on the ground. They're not necessarily in uniform. Can even those defeat uh, uh, an idea? Uh, I think not. Uh, It's clear to everybody that uh, this has quite a lot to do with the local dynamic, uh, the uh, mess that was made of the aftermath of the invasion of Iraq, which which created uh, uh, ISIS, 
and uh, which uh, is not going to be resolved so soon the uh, the local populations will eventually be exhausted and uh, begin to live together in some level of uh, amity as they did before all these uh, military interventions took place but it's not a settled question uh, also, uh, you know, the daggers were drawn immediately after uh, Obama finished his speech with the Republican presidential candidates coming out and saying we should uh, we should arm the Kurds or, you know, the the opposition parties and, and, and all such things. That is not a feasible solution as well because that has its own problems. But, you know, they are uh, armed already. Yeah. The Kurdish population is armed and it is also another kind of uh, half lie. The fact is that the Western uh, allies in one way or another are funding, they are providing arms, they are providing these advisors, these trainers to those kinds of groups that can fight, some like the Kurdish uh, Peshmerga, who have been their allies since the beginning of the war in Iraq. Uh, but they are also funding and training uh, many others uh, who they do not wish to name because it is very difficult to make these good terrorists, bad terrorists distinctions any longer uh, and uh, President Obama also spoke about training you know hundreds and thousands of local fighters actually they had a program of 500 million dollars to train uh, local uh, fighters from groups that they designate as uh, moderate uh, in the end there were half a dozen six people who fought uh, out of those groups for 500 million dollars so is that a solution? Not at all. It only uh, deepens local cleavages. Also, uh, he made a very interesting point. You know, uh, our Indian uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi has been uh, talking a lot about how uh, religion should be dealing from terrorism. But in his speech last night, he said that extremist ideologies have spread within some Muslim communities and it must be tackled. What do you think? How much, how significant is, is this statement coming from the American president? I would say it's very significant. You know, when the American president formulates a problem uh, or a, describes a situation, it, everybody listens to that, not just countries, but also the local groups involved. It will certainly be read uh, and understood as linking uh, terrorism with, uh, with Islam. These groups, uh, they are Muslims. Uh, and it has become a very, uh, uh, you know, it's very unsavory the way everyone is trying to interpret uh, Islam. Whenever an incident takes place, and this, it, they are done in the name of, uh, of Islam, but everyone else is interpreting Islam. Just like we have in India at the moment, people are saying what actually Hinduism is or isn't. Uh, so, I think it's a dangerous uh, formulation. I would agree with you. Uh, because the fact remains that Muslims are a religious community just like all other religious communities. If he had asked the community to look within itself for solutions on how to confront what is happening in a region where they are clearly the majority community, that would be different from this formulation. Mm -hmm. uh, my last question to you. Uh, what should Bashar al-Assad read from this statement and what's the future course of action for the Syrian civil war? 
I think it's clear that uh, there is an acceptance, maybe not in some Gulf countries, Saudi Arabia or maybe even Turkey, that uh, Bashar al-Assad's ouster is no longer the highest priority. The highest priority is to contain uh, ISIS uh, and uh, that for some time they will be willing to cooperate with Assad's army on the ground as well. Since that is a good fighting force, it has shown that in five years it has not defected and in fact has been confronting all manner of uh, local uh, groups. Uh, it shows, it is, it's also necessitated by the fact that so many countries have their uh, uh, fighter planes in the region over this little Raqqa that to avoid the kind of accident that happened or the incident that happened with the Turkish shooting down of a Russian plane, it's necessary to cooperate with, uh, with Russia. It is also, uh, I think, recognized, though not said, uh, that uh, Russia actually, Russian bombing has been quite effective in, uh, in uh, targeting uh, uh, ISIS and related uh, groups. So we seem to be there with uh, everybody more or less getting together. Uh, still, one should expect that uh, Gulf countries, Saudis uh, and uh, Turkey will also continue to help the other side to the extent that they can without actually being called out on the question. Uh, the greater issues for everybody will be how and to what extent to cooperate with Iran what do you do with the Hezbollah militia, which is also a very effective force fighting uh, ISIS, given uh, Israeli sensitivities and the sensitivities of NATO countries to Israeli sensitivities? Those will be more complex uh, questions, and there won't be any clear, neat uh, answers. Uh, Neelam, as always, thank you so much for sharing your views with us. You were listening to a Gateway House podcast. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.